in the um, what is today of, okay, so good morning, Genesis. Woohoo! All right, good morning to those of you out in the hallway, to those of you in the South Hall, those of you making your way in. Today is worship. Uh, Sunday, February 18th, I was just saying I'm lost in the whole what day is it, are my kids in school, are they not kind of cobweb. So I'll tell you the date, I'll tell you it's Sunday, and I'll tell you that we are here to worship together. I invite those of you who can hear me to stand for our call to worship this morning. It begins with come in, feel your feet on the floor, settle your worries, take a deep breath. Let's do that together. Dust the cobwebs from your ears and relax the tension in your jaw. Join me in saying, for Christ is here. God never stops seeking us. And let's say these words together. We have been found. Let us find God in return. Let us worship the God of deep waters. Amen. Let's sing together.
I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Harvey. <laughs> and uh, I'm okay, but I have a runner today. And uh, as you know, you, you want something to share with us, uh, how God has affected your life. Uh, our pastor will come up with a microphone and let's talk. So. Let's, uh, who would like to be the first to raise your hand? And as you know, always when I do this, I don't quit until I see at least one person. So raise your hand. There we go. That looks like Carol. God's mercy is always there. I was visiting my... Um, cancer doctor, my yearly visit, and she was kind of concerned about a cyst on my kidney and thought I should see a urologist. And uh, so I went to the urologist, and when she came into the room, she says, that cyst is nothing, but you've got microscopic blood in your urine. So we'll have to do a CT scan on your kidney. Well, I don't know the results on this, because by the next visit, the results weren't in, but but she discovered a tumor in my uh, bladder, but it was a small one. And she says, we won't take a biopsy of it until we remove it. So last Wednesday, the uh, tumor was removed, and we don't have results from that. But I know with God's mercy that being sent to this urologist and finding this tumor, that there'll be nothing but blessings. Amen to that, yes. Yes. Who else this morning? Uh, right up here, uh, Pastor. Morning. Good morning. I'm Ed. And um, once again, a couple times in the last week, the Lord has shown me his will for me. And it isn't always easy. Um, I was called down here from Glen Lake to volunteer at the school I graduated from. And in the process of doing that and moving down here and going to school, I bought a house and I, in doing that, needed to get some painting done and I needed a color consultant and I met a friend, who, someone who is my best friend now. And um, we've started another business as part of the design studio, the studio that we have. And we've, we've moved into a beautiful design studio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That has cost me the time to spend at school. And probably two weeks ago, I was really starting to feel depressed. And when I asked the Lord about it, I heard this, this phrase. Partial obedience is disobedience. And I realized I need to be back at school. So I 
picked my moment, I thought carefully, and I spoke to my partner about this, and my partner's reaction was not the typical reaction she has. She's usually very compassionate, very generous, very kind, very understanding, and she wasn't in this moment. And I felt pretty sad. So what she ultimately said was, look, you need someone who will do your job for you if you're not going to be here. I thought, well, we've been looking for an assistant. Uh, a couple of very strong Christian women have come to us um, as a result of our uh, people we know as a result of our reaching out. Both of them saw the list of responsibilities I had, and they said, mm, I don't think we can do that. So we prayed, and I prayed. And I had a conversation with my partner in which I said, you know, you responded in a way that I've never seen you respond before. You respond to our designers with a lot of compassion. I come to you and you think about what this is going to do to you. And we had a good conversation about that. And that was Friday. And um, Friday, we also prayed for God to present us with uh, someone who could be an assistant for me. And when you know it, Friday afternoon, we get a text. My partner gets a text from a woman who has been following us on Instagram. And she said, these are my skills and talents. And I'm really, this was not a response to anything we offered. She just said, this is what I do and this is who I am. And I would love to become involved with your organization. And we talked to her at 4.30 and next Tuesday, I have an assistant starting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, right here. So back in the middle of January, I had made the decision to leave Dunham's where I was a retail manager. Um, that was not a good job for me in a lot of many, many, many ways. Um, one of my biggest issues was I felt like it was taking all the other parts of my life, including my spiritual time, because of my obligations being a retail manager and I just couldn't do it anymore, along with many other things. And so obviously that put a little bit of a financial burden on me to leave there before I had something else 100% secured. I had other things like in the wings and possibility, but it wasn't nailed down yet. And I kept praying to God that he was leading me in the right direction. And I knew that he was telling me it was my time to go because something else was coming up for me. And thankfully, I listened. And I am now officially a Corwell Health nurse assistant. And I went through my training program this last week. And I officially start at the Royal Oak campus tomorrow. So praise the Lord for that, because I know this is where I was veered and meant to be versus that. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, uh, when I came into the sanctuary, Pastor Bo was standing here and we hugged and we said hi. And he said, Harvey, how are you doing? And I said, you know, Pastor, I am blessed. And when you're blessed, you, would have, you don't have any room for anything else. Amen? 
each, each one of you are blessed. And just, I want you to pray between now and the end of the service. Uh, pray for whatever you want, whatever you need, and uh, thank, thanking God uh, for the things that he's given you. Uh, many years ago, when I was in a choir here, um, after the pastor's prayer, the choir would s sing a little thing. I'm going to not try to sing it, but I want you to bow your heads and think about how you've been blessed. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Incline thine ear to us and grant us thy peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank gonna, you. Harvey, I'm going to have one last one here. Right here, go ahead. Oh. Just one last one. Um, so I recently, like uh, probably a week ago, went to the Visionals in Pennsylvania. Um, and it, there is, I'm going in in like 20th place. Didn't really expect much for Divisionals. Didn't expect, oh, for rock climbing. Um, I didn't really expect much like going to nationals. I didn't expect any of that. Um, and I'm, note, I am really bad at this one thing at climbing called dinoing. I just, that's not my thing. I don't like doing it. And so when we get to the comp, the first route I do okay on. And then the next route is a dino. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this route. Um, so I try like a few times in the dyno and then I just like stop and I'm like, okay, I really want to do this and I pray and then the next time I get on the wall, I make the dyno and I was really happy about that and I feel like I saw a God in that. And... Ah, Thank you. As always, you can stand if you want for worshiping. You can kneel, you can sit. However your posture reflects, your spirit of worship works for God. Beholding your beauty is all that I long for. To worship you, Jesus, is my sole desire. For this very heart you have shaped for your pleasure, purpose to lift your name
Good morning, welcome to Genesis. My name is Allison and I have a few announcements this morning. If you fill out a physical green card, which you can find in the pew in front of you, you can place it in the wooden box at the bank of, back of the sanctuary. This is also where you can place any offerings if you brought those with you. Genesis is fully funded by your faithful and generous giving and we cannot function without your financial support. When you give to Genesis, you are funding the Warming Center that keeps our friends experiencing homelessness safe. You're funding the Community Cafe to provide food to those in need. Your giving makes sure our staff gets paid and that the heating and light bills in this building get paid as well. If you call Genesis your church home or even just a safe place to be on a Sunday morning, we ask that you consider giving towards our vision to create spaces of belonging, to help individuals identify and develop their calling and taking action for the good of others. And now Bo has an update. Thank you so much. We, one of the things we want to do is once a month continue to communicate just budget information for our community to kind of know where we are. We communicated in January that um, at the end of the year giving, we are about $11,000 short of that goal in December, um, but also thanked the number of people who helped us to be able to accomplish that. So in January, we had a surplus of that month um, that went back towards the budget, which was super. One of the things that we measure and that we count within our community is that we do look for uh, inviting new people, people who haven't given before. Um, we count that. As pastors on, on the church, Nate and I, we have no clue who gives or what they give. We don't want to know. We shouldn't know. Um, it's a, in certain communities, we know it's a practice to know and to make sure that you know those people who give the most money. <laughs> and um, we don't think that's good for anyone's heart to know that and the way they treat people. So, so we don't know. So the thing we do know is that we look to see, hey, did anybody new give? And so like we had five new people who gave in, in January. And we had a couple new people who, who gave, who've already given in February. So we're grateful for that, for people who are saying, hey, we, we trust what's happening here. We want to see that go. So thank you for your giving. Um, at this moment for the year, we're about $15,000 short of our projected um, contribution goal. So for six months in, about $15,000 short. But we also know that we've been moving towards a number of initiatives, and we have overspent on our staffing budget. And so that even puts us a little bit in different spot. So we're making adjustments for that. But we just want to let you know, thank you for the new people who are contributing. Thank you for those of you who have set up that practice for giving. And that's where we're standing now. And we'll continue to communicate more with you as the months go on. And as in all things, we continue to say, oh, God, you're faithful, and, and we trust you. One of the other things that we were communicating through our text just recently was about the olive branch. I don't know if you guys know Jessica Kennedy. Jess, do you want to stand up? I just kind of saw you here and that kind of a thing. Jess has been leading the olive branch for a, a number of years now, does an amazing job of loving the families that are over there. But, man, staffing has been a beast and her staff is continuing to get hammered with illnesses and deaths and things like that. And um, they've had a number of staff who've had to step out 
for that. And so Jess has found herself in a really tight situation. We're trying to hire a lead teacher. Um, and that's still, uh, we had, they had someone, they said yes, and then two days later they say no. And so all of that work, and so that just happened again this last week. And so they're exhausted. They're, they're tired. And we're saying, Lord, Lord, help. We know that this is an issue for the entire country when it comes to providing good care and daycares and with workers and all of that. And we're trying to address that as well. But we, we want to pray. We want to pray for Jess. And if you know somebody, you know somebody who might be looking who, for, um, to, to work within that and as a lead teacher with some credentials and things like that, um, help us network for those people, but also just help us to pray for, for those who are weary, uh, weary in their jobs, weary in loving kids, weary, and that entire staff is. So we just want to let you know, as a community who care and who love, that's, that's what's going on. Could we pause and pray? So, Father, first, for the, uh, you sustain us, you care for us, even Ed's story of the needs uh, that we have, if it's people or resources, we trust you. And so, Lord, help. Help. Sustain those who are weary from Jess, Maria, and their team who are in there loving. Jesus, help. Lord, would you bring the people forward? And would you give us wisdom to know what it is to honor them, how to support them as they care for these children and families? You are trustworthy, God. So may our hearts step nearer to you. Amen. Thank you, Bo. All right, uh, a couple more announcements. So in just a couple of weeks, on Saturday, March 2nd, we will be having a youth blast from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Genesis. It's a one-day event for a middle school and high school youth group full of worship, food, and fun. Invite friends and join us for, a crazy, for crazy team games, quieter rooms for video games and art, and all the things in between. We welcome our guest speaker, Katie Jason, as she talks about why Jesus even matters. So get pumped and mark your calendars. And then on Easter, uh, we will be having baptisms at Genesis. If you are interested, please see Pastor Bo. Thank you. So much of our upcoming, or the entirety of the upcoming sermon series is revolving around the song, Come Thou Fountain. So we're going to sing it. But it occurred to me that there are these two words that always stick out in this song, and I may have mentioned this before, but if we're going to be singing this song a lot, I'd rather explain to you what those words are so that they are a part of the song rather than a distraction. In the second verse, it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. And if I've talked about this before, I say, no, not Scrooge, right? Because people just go so far afield immediately, and then the rest of the song is lost. Here I raise my Ebenezer is a reference to a marker, a stone of help, a marker of God's victory over the enemy. So here I raise my marker of God's greatness and victory. Here thereby thy help I'm come. The next word is fetter, and this has a very um, troublesome definition. It was often having to do with prisoners and manacles, but the way it's used in this song is, let thy grace now, like a fetter, like a binding, like a chain, like a voluntary submission of our wandering heart to God. So as we sing those words, remember that these are 
maybe unfamiliar words to us, but they have such a beautiful meaning. I'm marking God's victory in my life, and I'm asking him to hold me close and to bind me to his heart. So I invite you to stand as we sing, Come Thou Fount. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me Thank you, Heather. <clears throat> Good morning. I'm excited for the discussion time today. And so I'm asking for um, Grace to be able to present what I think we need in order to have really great discussion. So let's set our intention for this morning. So you came here for a reason. And so let's, let's just start there. And so what, what did you come this morning intending? And if you haven't set an intention, might I suggest?
to hear words of love from the Almighty One. May it be. Well, this Lent season, we're going to be focusing on the faith journey of one of Jesus' most famous disciples, Simon Peter, or AKA Peter, for those of us that know him with street cred. In Peter, we see a person who is both steadfast and unsteady. A dear friend who is also a betrayer. A disciple and also someone who wanders. It reminds me of a quote from the Soviet writer, Soviet dissident and eventual Nobel Prize winner, who I will call Alexander, because he has a last name like mine. But he made this statement, the battle line between good and evil runs through the heart of every human. In Peter, we see nuance, complexity, and contradiction. In Peter, we are reminded that no person is just one thing. In Peter, we should see ourselves. And if we cannot, it would be best for us to stop and to ask God for the mercy to be able to. See, life can be seemingly more simple when we embrace dualistic thinking. Dualistic thinking assumes a universe where there are only two contrasting mutually exclusive choices or realities. This thinking is either or, bad or good, negative or positive. And it has a powerful effect on our belief systems and subsequently the way that we treat and view others. Dualistic thinking blocks our ability to integrate complexity in life and in individuals. And it can create division and hostility when we demonize those who are different from us and ultimately we miss out on the nuance and the gray areas that exist between us, even the things that we share in common. Dualistic thinking is when we take the approach that someone is either this or that. And it's based on basic categorization. I remember a drummer friend really struggling with me. He said, how can you play hardcore music, be covered in tattoos, and be a Realtor. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd get you with that one. <laughs> he struggled because he's a uh, socialist, and to him, being a realtor supports 
selling stolen land. And it wasn't until we actually started having the conversation that I understood why he struggled with me so much. Dualistic thinking causes us to create a caricature of others. A caricature that best fits the pigeonhole that we need them to fit. Never considering the possibility of them being some or both of everything. If we give in to this ruse, we begin judging people and labeling them with the only two options available, good or evil. And this type of thinking tricks us into feeling safe because we can simply just disregard the evil ones. And conveniently, the evil ones are usually all the people that don't fit within our tribe. Alexander's full quote will help us understand this better. He said, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts. Inside us, it oscillates with the years, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. As we follow Peter's journey, we will see this unfold through the eyes of a very normal human trying to figure it all out, just like us. In addition, as we study Peter, we will connect his journey to the lyrics of the hymn, Come Thou Found. It's as if Peter could have written the song himself that we just sang. Today we will see Peter, and hopefully we'll see ourselves in the line, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. As we begin this series, we want to recognize that faith is a journey. It is not linear. It is one that ebbs and flows. We also want to recognize that the idea of wandering is more about exploration and discovery than it is about distance from God. We want to look for the ways Peter keeps moving along we'll find he drops his nets and leaves his career to follow Jesus. He walks on water in complete trust of Jesus and then falters under his fear. He runs to the empty tomb of the one he has just previously denied even knowing. Peter's complex and contradictory, just like us. But Peter keeps searching and responding and loving, even amidst his missteps and his mistakes. Ultimately, in Peter's story, we are reminded of the good news, that God loves imperfect people. Amen. Amen. Thank you for jumping on that. And that was good news for Peter. And that's good news for us. We want to look for ourselves 
in the vacillating faith of Peter's story. We want to reflect on the stages of our own faith journeys, as well as consider those who and also what has shaped us along the way. So as we wander together, let us tune our hearts to sing God's grace. And by God's help, may we rest in streams of mercy never ceasing. But Peter had a wandering heart. And Jesus was always there to seek Peter, to walk beside him, to wash his feet, to offer him love. The idea of being sought out is a combination of being seen and wanted. And Jesus sought out Peter. In Peter's story, we find Jesus being consistent even when Peter's faith ebbed and flowed. As Peter would push Jesus away and then also pull him close, Jesus was always tethered to the love of God for Peter. One of my uh, favorite influences via Technology is Father Richard Rohr in the contemplative practice. And Richard Rohr said, we do not come to God by doing it right. In fact, the beautiful doctrine of the cross is the inclusion of imperfection. The whole thing that brings us to God is our mistakes, but we struggle to integrate failure. We struggle to integrate failure. God does not struggle to integrate failure. Jesus sought me when I was struggling to integrate failure. I had lived many hurtful and broken attempts to find my place in the church. Kept returning like it was a ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and these failures to connect spoke over me a false narrative that I did not fit and that I was not wanted in God's family. It was in one of these seasons that Bo actually pursued me to come on staff here. And I left my work in a recovery hospital to come and load and unload trailers with a team of volunteers. And that started my time at Genesis. I felt sought out. I felt seen, and I felt wanted. See, God's faithful to pursue us in season and out of season from our perspective. And God's faithful to pursue us when we're even in the midst of mistakes. 
And God's faithful to pursue us when we haven't figured it all out, and especially when we think we have. God's even faithful to pursue us when we have blatantly wandered. And this is the power of Jesus' love, that God tethers God's self to us. When we sing that line, bind my wandering heart to thee, I believe it's a confession. I don't think it's a plea for God to reconnect to us. Instead, I believe it's us confessing that we need to be reminded of God's unchanging thoughts towards us. Being tethered to the love of God is rooted in God's unchanging heart towards us, and it's not based on our ability to be perfect. Instead, God's love for us is perfect and is perfecting. As we go through this series, I think it's important for us to remember that God loves imperfect people. And Jesus knowingly sought out an imperfect Peter who was prone to wander and to get rowdy and to also be a coward. All were true of Peter. And here's the deal, no one's righteous, not even one. But our hope lies in this, that God seeks us out, not because of our perfection, but because of God's love for us. Jesus seeks us out because Jesus can't help but see himself in us because we bear his very image, even when we don't see it. In Alexander's quote, he said, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good retains. I believe that bridgehead of good is this, the Imago Dei, that we all bear the divine image, all of us. And I believe this is what Jesus saw in Peter as he sought him out. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to get into our discussion. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, 
Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Peter's partners. Then Jesus said to Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is an awesome, awesome text. A life-changing and dramatic turning point in Peter's life. Text says that in response, Peter left his home, left his business, left his way of life to follow Jesus into a new calling to fish for people. I can see myself in that story. I hope you can. We want to take time today to discuss this passage, and we've provided facilitators and guided questions. If this is your first time here, this is a great experience. I invite you to give it a try. The bar is really low. You don't need to have great answers. You don't even have to participate. You could just sit and listen. For those of you who have all the right answers, you should probably be silent and listen to others first. But with the group leaders that we've uh, got ready today, would you stand up where you are and then we may have you dispersed throughout. So these are the group leaders. Let's uh, grab six or eight people and we will have our discussion time. So maybe over here on the left, we need another. We got Taylor, we got Pete, Andrew. Ed's right here. Ed, you want to take this left side here? Seth, are you leading this group? Okay. Ryan is taking the group on Zoom. So if you're on Zoom, Ryan will be working with you. <laughs> 